listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. Oh man, what a week. An unbelievable week, actually. There's been so much happen in so many people's lives that I know. Um, you know, it's crazy how life can be so high and low all at the same time, no matter what you're going through. There's always, there's always joy and there's always hard times. There's always things that are difficult all at the same time. It's, it's amazing. And what changes is our perspective. What changes is what we choose to look at in the middle of all of the upheaval and in the middle of all the things that are going on. Uh, this last week, I, um, I heard about um, not just one, not just two, but three people um, who I either knew personally or people that went to church here, um, lost loved ones suddenly, just boom, 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 just crazy. And here we are in the middle of a holiday week, we're all celebrating and we're giving thanks, you know? And it just brought back the, um, the reality of, you know, that, that attitude of gratitude and that heart of being thankful for every breath and everything that God gives to us and how things can change so fast. Isn't that, isn't that true? Things can change so quickly in your life, and you just never know what you're going to wake up to um, tomorrow. It's, it's very, very sobering. And yet, in the middle of really hard times and difficulties, God promises us that we can have hope, and we can have a heart that's full of confidence, even when things seem uncertain, and even when things seem like they're not uh, stable or sure. God promises that we can have confidence. And so tonight... Um, if you are a family member or a friend of a family member that's going through something difficult, be full of hope tonight. Be full of, of that understanding of God and how big he is and how he goes through everything with us no matter what it is. And um, I just want to start by praying tonight that God would just give us the right perspective. God, right now I just pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes to see the right things because sometimes we choose to see the wrong things and we look at the wrong stuff and the things that we focus on are the things that really shape our perspective and shape um, how we see the world around us, including you. And so, God, I just pray that you would just hone our focus in to look at the right stuff and to focus on the right things. God, thank you that you're present and thank you that you're real. And we can count on the love of God and we can feel your warmth and we can feel your confidence. And our hope is in you. We thank you, Jesus, for being with us. Amen. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going we're gonna to pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we, we continued talking about prayer, which continued our talk about the different elements of prayer and the different things about um, what it is that God had in his heart when he thinks of prayer and why God has given us the medium of prayer. In Matthew chapter 11, and verse 13, it says, For before John came, talking about John the Baptist, all the teachings of the Scriptures looked forward to this present time. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching and baptizing until right now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it. Last week we talked about, once again, the realities of the world that we live in. 
and the darkness that this world has in it. And we talked about this condition that so many of us have either experienced personally or that we know are of people that are experiencing it right now. And the condition that we talked about was very similar to the condition of a person who was incarcerated, somebody who was locked in prison and who knew that they were going to have to serve a long sentence. They were going to have to do some serious time. And we talked about the mentality that they would have to have in order to get through the time that they had to serve and how they would push out everything for the sake of survival. They would push out any good chance of hope or things changing in their life because the chances of them getting out was slim to none. And they would rather not get their hopes up and then fall and be disappointed. And so it hurt less just to put your head down and focus on what you had to do. And we talked about how there's so many people in our world who have adopted that same mentality because they see the darkness and they see the brokenness and they see the effects of so much bad stuff that's going on. And instead of them actually embracing hope and thinking things can change and things can get better, they succumb to it and they get used to it and they just kind of get into this acceptance of their fate type of a mentality and they just kind of get used to the pain. They just kind of get numb to it. And after a while, you know, something good could come along and it doesn't even spark any kind of hope in them. It doesn't even spark any kind of excitement like things could get better because they've already succumbed to the reality of what they think is their perceived future. And we see this everywhere that we look. And when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he talks about this, this event that literally changed the, 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 the course of history and how when Christ came on the scene, his, his injection into mankind was a violent act. It was literally God bringing light into darkness and it was violent. And the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven started with a violent attack and how people have been pushing against it ever since. They've been saying, no, we don't want this. And it's not that it's not good. It's not that they don't need it. It's that they're used to the darkness. They're used to the pain. And the Bible says that they would rather have the darkness than the light. And it's not because the darkness is good for them, or all of us know, it's not because the darkness brings us so much joy and satisfaction in life, right? We've all, we've all done that deal where we, we follow our desires and where it takes us isn't a good place. It's not that. It's that we don't want to get our hopes up and then have our hopes destroyed and then to find ourselves in a, in a state that seems worse than we were before. And so we would rather just not even try and not even hope. And so we talked about this, this idea that if I were to bring two people up in front of you right now and just pick two guys from the crowd and I were to say, okay, guys, you know, this guy's talking about your mama. You know what he said? And we were just to stir it up inside of him. And, and one guy just, boom, punched the other guy out. We as spectators would be cheering them on, right? We'd be like, oh, yeah, fight, fight. You know, we'd be getting excited. But in all seriousness, we would be witnessing an act of violence. We would be witnessing somebody invading somebody else's space and violently attacking them. And that act of violence we would see a response from the other party. They would punch back. They would retaliate. And that violent act would have a response back of violence. And we would see it and we would, we would look at it. We'd say, yeah, that's appropriate. That's, that's what violence does. My friends, God wants us to realize that prayer is an act of violence. 
that prayer is the, is the violent response that God has given to us when we look around this world and we see the brokenness and the darkness and we see our friends and family deteriorating in front of our eyes and we see the addiction and we see the helplessness and we see how it's not supposed to be, God says, I need you to respond with prayer and it's an assault. It's a violent assault against the darkness and the brokenness that you see. And so as we began to talk about prayer being an act of violence last week, we began to get a different picture in our mind of what prayer is because some of us, when we think of prayer, we think in terms of something that's very quiet and very proper and very reverent. And it's very, you know, hands and knees, hands folded, and you, know, you, you whisper. And, and, and that's an appropriate type of prayer, but there's a lot of different types of prayer. There's a lot of different facets to prayer, and there's a lot of different expressions in prayer. And so for us to see that prayer can literally be an act of violence. I know a lot of you came up to me this last week, excuse me, and told me that was very eye-opening for you to begin to understand that God has given you something that's very empowering, something that's very yours, that you don't have to take it lying down anymore, that you don't have to be like this guy that gets punched continually by the darkness in this world, that you have an appropriate response that changes things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus says, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. In other words, when we see this act of violence, this prayer, we see that God is looking at something that changes things. We aren't looking at something that keeps things the same. We're looking at something that absolutely changes situations, circumstances, and even the hearts of people when it's activated and when it begins to take place. We've been looking at this picture of, of our world of darkness and how the kingdom of God comes down from heaven and invades the darkness. And we've seen the picture every week now, we should have it memorized, of this, this bright white light in the middle of it and how it's beginning to spread and how the light is overtaking the darkness. It's literally pushing back the darkness. And that's where you and I come into the picture tonight. Because Christ literally came into this world that had been overtaken by darkness. And he comes in and he begins to take ground. He begins to change things. He begins to set new boundaries. He begins to force the enemy out. He begins to move forward and he begins to expand his influence. He begins to change things. Um, this last week, as we were um, celebrating Thanksgiving, we, we had something happen that was, um, well, it, it, it kind of altered um, I would say permanently the future of our family. Um, my kids decided to borrow the board game Risk from our neighbors. And we started playing Risk. Have any of you guys ever played Risk? Then you know what I'm talking about. Things will never be the same for us. My wife, last night, I've seen a side of her that I haven't seen before. All 
all because of this little board game called Risk. This is a fun game, and it's all about taking over the world, man. It's like domination time. It's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, last night we were playing, and it was fun. It was exciting. You know, my youngest son, it's, it's board games for families. Is, it's always a good leveling field, you know. It's like it, it, just, it just levels the playing field. And, and uh, my wife, she picked the color pink, which was very appropriate. And she had all of her little pink things all over this board, and she was just killing me like crazy. I mean, she is just, her pink is just spreading over the world. The continents are just pink, and she is just cocky. I mean, she's just, man, I'm taking you guys down, and, and I, I know I'm doomed. I mean, there is no way I'm going to recover because, I mean, I'm down to one little corner. But she made one very serious mistake. She didn't watch her backside. And when she started to spread herself a little too thin, the United States of America came back with a vengeance. Can I get a hoorah? Come on now. That's right. And we had fun and she lost. I'm sorry, honey. I had to tell you. But there's always tonight. That's the thing. It's like, you got to start another one. We're going to play again. I can already feel it. So anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also really true that when you, you know, God talks to you in your life. And we're talking about this concept of, of invasion. We're talking about this concept of God coming into our world and beginning to see things change and watching the influence of life penetrating death. And when you think about that for a second, you think about how you and I deal with, with sickness and we deal with brokenness and we, th- we deal with our emotions and we deal with the things that we all carry, carry with us all the time. When God begins to come inside of us and he begins to spread the life of God within, it changes those things. And it's literally something that you can feel. You can feel it changing. You can see it happening. It affects your smile. It affects your openness to people. It affects the way that you communicate. It affects your ability to let things go and to forgive. It affects everything. There is nothing off limits. And that's what God is wanting for us to understand tonight, is that he's wanting for us to completely abandon this mindset that says that things can't change. Because I don't know about you guys, but I have believed in my life so many times that things can't change, that this is just how it's going to be. And I got to get used to it. I got to suck it up and I got to deal with it because it's not going to get any better. And my friends, if you believe that, then you are losing the very essence of the power of God. You're losing the very essence of the gospel because God says nothing is impossible if you will pray. If you will let me into the circumstance of your life, I'll change everything. I'll take enemies that are bitter and full of venom for each other and I'll turn them around and I'll make them talk to each other and work things out and eventually have peace between them. I'll take people who have hurt one another and abused one another and I'll bring forgiveness between them if you will pray and let me get into the situation. In the book of Matthew, we find another example of prayer. I love the way that we can look in Scripture and we can find Example after example of different types of prayer and different expressions of prayer. And tonight we look at a new one. In Matthew chapter 26, we read a story of the last, literally the last days of Jesus' life. 
and he's going through a a very, very stressful event. He knows that God has called him to his final moments on earth. And he, is, he knows in his heart that God has said to him that you have to lay down your life and you're going to die the death of a criminal. You're going to be executed in a way that is painful and devastating. And you're going to pay this price, not because you're guilty of some crime, but you're going to pay this price so that every other human being who is guilty of their crimes can be free from the curse of sin. And Jesus is carrying the weight of this right now. And this is what he says. Jesus brought his disciples to an olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go on ahead to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He, want, he went on a little further and he fell face down on the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake and keep watch with me even for one hour? Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. And again, he left them and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away until I drink it, then your will be done. Jesus returned to them again and he found them sleeping for they just couldn't keep their eyes open. This story is, it's so familiar to me. I don't know about you, but when I see the example of Jesus in this, we see somebody who's facing death. Or we see somebody who's literally facing probably the scariest thing that a human being could face, knowing that they're getting ready to be executed. And you and I, when we face things in life, we process it and we deal with it differently. Some of us, we have addictions that we go to for relief. Some of us have tendencies or habits or sins or whatever. Some of us go quiet. Some of us get loud. Some of us, you know, go shopping. Some of us, you know, watch TV, whatever it is. But Jesus shows us in this example that when he gets stressed, he prays. That when he gets to the moment where he is at the end of his end, he gets on his hands and his knees and his face and he prays. What an example for us to learn how to deal with our anguish and our stress. But the part of the story that's so familiar to me isn't Jesus. I wish it was. I usually, I wish that, I, well, you know, you're, you're like this too, I'm sure. But I'm the sleeping disciples. I'm the ones who really want to pray. I'm the ones who know I should pray. I'm the ones who say I'm going to pray. I'm the ones who, you know, just believe in prayer and will talk about prayer. I'll pick up a book and read about prayer. I'll turn on a TV show that talks about more prayer. But when it comes time to pray, I'm tired and I fall asleep. Dang it. I sit there and I go, God, I, I want to pray but the flesh 
is weak. My body is weak. What do we do with that? How do we reconcile these two issues that are so prevalent and so real to us? You know, we've, we've learned so much about prayer. We've learned so much about the necessity of prayer. We've learned so much about the power of prayer. And yet, why is it still such a challenge for us to have the discipline of prayer sometimes? It's because prayer is a struggle for you and me. The disciples show it in this story that even though they knew what they should do, the flesh, the body, it's weak. And prayer is a struggle. I personally believe that it's a struggle because of how powerful it is. I personally believe that prayer is a struggle for you and me because it goes against everything that we have done our entire lives. Prayer is a struggle because it says, I am not going to take things into my own hands and handle things myself. Prayer is a struggle because our intellect says it's foolishness. It doesn't work. Our, 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 our minds and our bodies and Everything about our culture says that prayer is a last resort. How many of you have ever heard the words uttered or said the words uttered? There's nothing left I can do. I guess all I can do now is pray. Isn't that what we hear all the time? There's nothing left to do. I might as well pray. I might as well pray. Prayer is a struggle for us because at the heart of the kingdom of heaven, at the heart of the kingdom of God, at the heart of everything that God desires to see happen here on this earth, the heart of it is prayer. The heart of it is us coming to the realization that God can't do anything on this earth unless we pray. This last week, we, um, many of us gathered down here and we just began to push away from the tendencies of our intellect and our culture and our own flesh and our own weakness and laziness, really. We pushed past it and we said, there's got to be something greater. And we began to gather together and we began to pray and we began to feel the power of what happens when people get together and they begin to pray. God is giving us not just ideas about prayer, but God is giving us direction about prayer. Right now, we're in the process, and maybe you guys will be a part of this. You're going to see a lady walking around taking pictures if you haven't been the captive audience yet. But Becky's, um, she's following after God on a project right now. And the project that God's given to us is to literally go through the city of Lodi and to take pictures of every type of event and every type of person and every type of situation that is possible that goes on within the culture of what we call Lodi, the city of Lodi. We're going to culminate all of this data and all of these pictures and maybe some video and, and, and put it to music and do some different things. But at the end of it, our heart and our desire is to create a prayer project 
And you and I are going to be a part of being able to pray specifically for certain things that are happening in our very city all the time. But it's not going to stop there because our heart is to make this prayer project something that we can give to every church in Lodi. Because we believe that in order for God to be able to truly affect the kingdom the way that he wants to in this world, he's got to get us together as his children to begin to ask him and to begin to bring together our hearts and say, God, on earth as it is in heaven, let your will be done. We need help. First thing that you can do is don't run away when she says, can I take your picture? Just smile, be a part of it. But the second thing is that you need to begin to ask God, God, how do I participate in your call to prayer? What role do you have for me to play in the things that you are doing? Because I believe that God is doing something that is way more than just a talk every Saturday night for a few weeks about prayer. This is something that is going deep inside us that counteracts the story that we just read about the disciples coming with Jesus to the last moments of his life and falling asleep in the moment when they needed to stand up and pray. I don't want to fall asleep anymore. I don't want to not allow God to begin to do the things that he desires to do. Because prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. And tonight, we're going to end things just a little bit differently. There's a scripture in the book of Exodus that says, You must worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. God is jealous for you. See, for me and for you tonight to understand prayer, we have to understand it from a standpoint of it being an intimate connection with God. This last week I was praying with somebody. I see you up there. There's our photographer. Just smile, everybody. This last week I was praying with somebody. And this person's going through a really hard time. They're in a struggle in their heart with God. They're wrestling with God. They believe that God's real, but they don't want to surrender their will to what God has for them. And there's this struggle going on that is so familiar to us between God and man and the things that we, we do. But as I was praying for him, I was struck with this complete picture in my mind of God's love for him and God's jealousy for him. And as I began to pray for him, I began to tell him how God was not going to let go of him because God loved him so much that it was, there was such a deep passion and desire for him that he was not going to let go, that he was jealous for him and he was not going to let anything else have him. And I began to become very aware of God's jealousy. When we think of God being jealous, sometimes it evokes thoughts in our mind that maybe aren't correct. Sometimes maybe we think in terms of our relationships with people and with each other. And if you've ever been involved in a relationship with somebody that, that has that, 
that element of jealousy in it, that what we call jealousy, it's not good. It's ugly. It makes us think things that aren't right, and it makes us control each other and want to hold on to each other and not let each other be free. But God's jealousy is not like that. God's jealousy is a strong desire. It's a passionate desire to be intimate with you. But it is not controlling. Because everything about God is love and is freedom. And to have this type of dynamic in a relationship where God literally looks at you tonight and says, I want you. He stays in that position of desire without ever invoking his will to grab us and pull us back. He stays in that position of saying, I'm jealous for you, I want you, I desire you. But we have to turn and we have to respond. And we have to turn and we have to give ourselves to him. And in that relationship, in that beautiful exchange between us and God, there is a fulfillment in our hearts like nothing else that we've ever experienced before. And so tonight, I want to show you some pictures and listen to a very familiar song that we sing here all the time. And there's a line in the song that says that he is jealous for me. And tonight, the way that we're going to close our service out is that we're going to listen to the words of the song and we're going to watch the images put before us and then we're going to respond to God and we're going to pray and we're going to let Him love us and we're going to let Him pull us to Himself. We're going to let Him have us. Watch this. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com. 